So, uh, on June 25, 1920 or 1967, the first live international TV production was broadcasted. 10,000 technicians, producers, and interpreters or yeah, interpreters worked hard to pull off this massive broadcasting feat. In all 14 different countries participated in this production that was transmitted to between 400 million and 7 400 to 700 million people to 31 different countries around our globe. Uh, creative artists, including opera singer Maria Callas and Pablo Picasso, were invited to take part in this two-and-a-half-hour event. The most, I'm sorry, the most famous segment was the last segment, which came out of the United, New United Kingdom from a group called The Beatles. Uh, the song that was sang was composed with the idea in mind of giving out uh, something that the whole world could uh, accept, the whole world could understand. Anybody want to take a guess as to what that song title is? All You Need Is Love. And I, I thought about singing a solo. Just kidding. I sang one solo and I said that was it. Uh, all You Need Is Love. And you know, love is a message that anyone, anywhere can understand. Every tribe, every tongue, every age understands that I need love. I, I, they've experienced it. They crave it. It's a part of every culture. Uh, you go to the uh, tribal culture that you don't even know. In some form or fashion, they understand what love is. And love is the answer to almost every problem that we face. Uh, more love the less problems that we're going to deal with because people are going to be refraining from doing something that they want to do that they shouldn't, such as this child trafficking. Obviously, that would not take place if somebody was loving the child as opposed to loving themselves. Uh, and that the Beatles are saying we, we need to show more love. And they're right. But we're not going to be talking today about the kind of love that the Beatles say that we should be giving. We're going to be talking today about the kind of love that God says that we should be giving. We're going to look at the fact that God demonstrated this love to you and me, and then God asked us to demonstrate that love to other people. So, uh, we are going to be in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. I'm going to read uh, our, our verses for us today uh, before we dive in uh, to what God can teach us in it. So, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. This is what John writes. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Father God, again, I thank you for this message of love. God, you know that this is a message the world desperately needs to hear, that the world desperately needs to experience, that you have already showed to us that how great your love is for us, and you ask us to show this love to other people. God, I pray again as I open up my mouth that we speak your word clearly and accurately, and we would take from it what we need to live and to share your love with other people this week. In Jesus' name, amen.
So first of all, we have the command to love one another. Okay, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, the song the Beatles wrote, All You Need Is Love, may have been a big hit. It may have been something that united the world uh, for, a common, for a common purpose, for a common goal, for a few minutes, uh, probably for about three or four minutes for what that song, that song length was. But the message that they gave was nothing new. The message of love is something that has been around since the beginning of creation. Uh, in this passage, we find that John is preaching the message of love long before the, the Beatles are singing about love. And what does the Bible say about love? Well, there's four different kinds, at least four different kinds of love in the Bible. The first is the married kind of love. This is the kind of love I share with Leslie that I don't share with anybody else. Uh, it's a special kind of love between a husband and a wife. One man, one woman kind of love. The second kind of love is the familial love, which obviously sounds like the family kind of love. And on Wednesday night, I saw it demonstrated so perfectly uh, what you can get away showing love with between a brother and a sister, which is obviously not going to be something you can get away with between one kid and another. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, the third kind of love is between friends, between uh, an acquaintance or between somebody that's a best friend. Uh, my friend Philip that's uh, becoming a pastor here in a, another week or so. Uh, we have a special friendship that I don't have with my kids. It's different from what I have with my spouse. It's a friendship kind of love. But the kind of love that God showed us, that God wants us to show to other people, is a word, uh, it's a familiar word, it's agape love. That's the kind of love that God showed me, that God wants me to show you and to show other people. And the essence, the essence of, of agape love is to seek the highest good for the people that you are choosing to love. It's a love of total commitment. You guys have seen this before. Love is not a feeling. It's an act of your will. It's not based off of some emotion I have for somebody or a relationship I have with somebody. It's just the idea of looking at somebody and saying, you need something, and I'm going to do my level best to try to help you with it. I don't have to know you. I don't have to like you, which I can know you and I can love you, uh, but it's the idea that it's not something that's based off of that. It's based off of doing what is best for somebody else? And John was, call, was calling these people to show this kind of love. Now, I, the Bible doesn't say specifically, here's what you guys have to do. Here's how, who you have to show this kind of love to. So I had to get a little creative in my thinking uh, about what could John possibly be telling these people about loving other people with this special kind of love. And I thought, you know what? The difficult people in their area that they might have to deal with it might be the people who are leading people astray. Because we saw in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, that there were people who had got into the church who were leading people astray, and people left with them. So if, if John's saying, you know what, you've got to love those people that are leading people astray, that for them would have been very difficult. I think about being a pastor, and if somebody came into this church and started pulling you out and leading you astray to believe something else, and I saw that person on the street with a flat tire. Do you think I'm going to want to go talk to that person in a nice way? Do you think I'm going to want to help that person? No way in the world. I would flatten their other tires, right? That's what I want to do. Uh, so John might be saying, you know what? You've got to love those people who are leading other people astray. 
John could be talking about the people who are being led astray. Because there were people in that church who left. And maybe those people are kind of acting like, we know more than you do. You have not yet arrived. Uh, You know the kind of awkward situation that happens at a grocery store with somebody that you don't get along with? And you, what do you do when you get to the grocery store? You kind of avoid each other, right? And I could picture these people going to the marketplace because they probably don't have dozens of them, and they see that person that left their church. Awkward. And John's saying you still have to love those people. But it could be something entirely different. Maybe they were just being persecuted for their faith, and, they, and John's saying, you know what? Even those people who are persecuting you, you need to still show love. Obviously, you're not going to have these emotions welling up inside of you that says, boy, I just want to do what's best for you because you're hurting me. You're painful to me. But John could be talking about showing those people kind of love. But whoever it is, whatever the situation is, whether it's with family or friends or enemies, John's saying you need to show this kind of love. And guess what? You and I need to show that kind of love as well. For some people, it's going to be easier than others, kind of based off of the situation. Uh, you know, think about John again. I want to go back to him. It's going to be easier for those people to love their family than the people who are persecuting them. It's going to be easier to love people who left the church than the people who are trying to lead them astray. But here's the thing about agape love. Agape love doesn't differentiate between the two. Agape love doesn't say, you have helped me or you have hurt me. It just shows the same love to everybody, no matter who they are or what they've done. And we are called to show that kind of love. Is that tough to hear? Because I'm telling you, that tastes bad to say. I don't want to show that kind of love, but this is what God is calling us to do. And this is going to look different in every kind of situation, where you have the opportunity to show love. Uh, Maybe this last week you can think of the examples that I'm going to show you and say, I showed love, or I really didn't show love, or maybe this coming week you will come up with these situations in life. The first is uh, love doesn't babble, or uh, it does babble sometimes, but it doesn't blab to everyone everywhere what somebody has done to hurt you or how somebody has screwed up in life. Love doesn't go around trying to let everybody know what somebody did to me. Love is being willing to uh, help somebody do something or go somewhere even when it's inconvenient. It doesn't benefit me. I don't want to help uh, rake the yard. I don't want to help clean out the stalls. I don't want to help somebody pick up their books off the floor. Love says that they're going to do it. For others, it just might be giving somebody a second chance. You know what? I'm coming up to Steve. I apologize to Steve. And I say, Steve, would you forgive me? and give me another chance. That might be the situation of what love looks like in this week, in your week. But whatever it is, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what agape love is going to do. I'm going to treat Sharon and Dale exactly the way I want them to treat me. Uh, And that's a good choice or a good standard to decide, am I showing this kind of love or not? Now, showing love to my enemies, showing love to difficult people, That sounds like a big task to me. I don't know what that sounds like to you, but to me, it sounds like a huge task. Uh, We're going to come back to that on how we have the capability to do this. I mean, it's a big task not to keep my mouth shut. Somebody does something wrong to me and not share with everybody, right? 
It's a big task to give somebody a second chance. It's a big task to go help somebody when it's not convenient. But that's what love is. And God didn't, he commanded that we should love one another. But God didn't just command it. God demonstrated this love. Um, first, I'm going to read verse 9 and 10. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God demonstrated his love. He says, this is what it looks like. This is what it might cost you. This is what it takes in order to show love. <clears throat> uh, God sent his one and only son. <coughs> God didn't send a prophet. God didn't send me. God didn't send somebody he felt like he didn't really care about. Yeah, Josh, you could go suffer on that cross and it really doesn't bother me. God sent his one and only son to this earth because you are worth it. He says the payment is that big. And you are worth it, so I'm going to do this job myself. He sent his son to the world. Now, when Jesus came to this world, what did he grow up in? Did he grow up in a palace? Did he grow up as a hero? No, Jesus grew up, he was born in a stable. He grew up a poor carpenter's son. He, he was, when he got old enough, people didn't like him. People persecuted him. People eventually wanted to kill him. For his three and a half years of ministry, he had to deal with this constantly. To be rejected, to be uh, people turning their back on him, to be turned over to the, to the enemy. That's what Jesus experienced when he came to this earth. And why did he do it? He did it for me. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, that was the prize that he got. He went to the cross. He died to pay for our sins. And what did he get out of it? He got me out of it. Right? You didn't laugh. It's okay. Jesus got me out of the deal. Is that worth it? Not, not when you first look at that. No, because I'm a sinner. I'm somebody who doesn't always do what I'm supposed to do. I don't always communicate that well. I don't always, I'm not always perfect. You can ask Noah this morning. It's some Sunday morning. It's just that way. God got me out of the deal, and he says it was worth it. And what did Jesus do? He sacrificed for our sins. Uh, your version might say a propitiation, which means to appease someone's wrath. When I sin, like when the whole world sins, it put wrath that I deserve on myself. And Jesus said, I mean, God said, that's what it's going to take in order for, for Josh to be able to get to heaven, to have salvation, is someone's going to have to appease that wrath. And Jesus said, I'll do it. And so Jesus took our, God's wrath that was rightfully mine upon himself so that I could be scot-free, so that I could be completely blameless and perfect in his life. That's how God demonstrated his love. He gave the ultimate sacrifice. And God's asking you to demonstrate that love to other people. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 talks a lot about what does this love look like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it from my Bible. This is actually pretty small. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In verse 8, eight it says, love never fails. Now, when I look at that and say, oh, my goodness, this is a massive request of what I'm supposed to do to show love, because I'll tell you, I am not always patient. I'm not always kind. Sometimes I know how to stick in there what great thing that I've done as an act of boasting, which is obviously not right. And here I am called to show love. How in the world can I do it? We will look at that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. We are Christ's ambassadors. You know, other countries, uh, if I went to Scotland, because that's McLaughlin is Scottish, if I went to Scotland for the first time as an American, guess what they would think Americans were like? They would think they, I would, they were exactly like me. They had the same skin color. They had the same pronunciation. They were all bald. Whatever it is, they would say, that's what American men look like for them. <laughs> How I act is going to demonstrate to somebody else what, uh, what, what I am. And we, uh, if you look at First John chapter 4, verse 12, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. No one has seen God. The world can't look out there and say, yep, I see God. They can see the, the proof that God is there because of creation. But they can't see him any more than you and I can see him. So God is asking you and me to demonstrate God to them. And when we show that kind of love, we are demonstrating to them the kind of love that God has for us. So we are called to love. Uh, Jesus demonstrated this love. But how can I really do this? How can I really show this kind of love to others? Um, our ability to show love comes from God, verses 7 and 8. You know, uh, this is not the right one. I, I redid something, and so it's out of order. I told Noah I didn't give him the right one to, to click on, so it's going to be out of order. That's beside the point, but sorry, it's out of order. Um, anyway, where does this ability to love come from? Verse 7 and 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So where does this love come from? Do I have to feel it? I don't, I don't have to feel it. It doesn't come from within me. I don't have to conjure up this feeling that I see my enemy there and he needs help and I just got to figure out some kind of emotion to drive me to do that. Uh, that, you know, the task is so monumental that I cannot love my enemy. I cannot love uh, my teachers. I cannot love my boss the way that I'm supposed to unless I get God's help from somewhere. God is love. And every action that God takes is an action of love. Now, I don't know what you think about that. At, at one point, it's easy to say, you know what, God is love and everything he does is love. But when you think about all the not-so-great things around this world, it's hard to see that everything that God does is love. I mean, the fact that kids are put up for adoption, where's God's love in that? The, the fact that people struggle to have enough food to eat for today, 
Where's, where does it feel like God's love is there? When we have to say goodbye to a loved one who died before their time. Does that sound like God, every action of God is loving? It is, uh, but we are not going to understand what is it, why is God allowing these things to happen? You know, I think about kids who are put up for adoption or foster care. It's sometimes it's an opportunity for them to hear about Jesus when they otherwise want it. I've told you guys this about Leslie, that every kid we get uh, as a foster parent, she just loves on them and shares Jesus with them. She, she helps them to understand as much as she can at their age group who Jesus is. We're thanking Jesus for our food. Thank you, Jesus, for our good day. Uh, and so it's an opportunity for them to hear about Jesus when they otherwise wouldn't. That is an act of love. When it comes to people who don't have enough to eat, you know, I don't know why God allows that, except for I know that God puts it on the hearts of people to share with other people. And maybe God says, I want to bless Josh if he's willing to help these people who are in need. It's an act of love. Uh, when we have to say goodbye to somebody who died when it feels like it was before their time, that could be an act of love in itself that we don't understand either because we have no idea what that person's life, where it was going to lead. Uh, that person, if they're a believer in Jesus, goes to heaven. You know, I think about in the Old Testament, I've read and I did a little research on when uh, the Israelites would go into a nation and they were supposed to kill everybody. They killed the men, they killed the women, they killed the children. Well, that really doesn't seem like an act of love. But you know what's probably the case is those little ones, before the age of accountability, before they can determine right and wrong, it's like they, they, got a, they went to heaven. You know, and God could say, you, you know what, this little kid, if they lived their whole life and they never, uh, and then they live to be 100 years old, they, they will never hear about Jesus and they are not going to go there. But if we take them out at this age, they're going directly there. I think about abortions. As much as that just makes me mad, I think, you know what, those, it's an act of love possibly for some of those kids because they are going to heaven. Heaven's going to be stocked full of kids that didn't make it to this earth, but it was an act of love to get them to heaven at the same time. And I really don't know how to answer everything about those situations and how is it loving and how is it a benefit to those people. But I do know this. If you took these situations and said, you know what? No kid ever had to be adopted. And God made sure that nobody was ever hungry. And that God never made sure that nobody, we never had to say goodbye to anybody before it was their time. If God took care of all of that, but God didn't come down to this earth to die on the cross, we would still be in a lot of trouble. We might have the perfect life on earth, but when you die, you're going to go to hell. So God, whatever reason for allowing things to happen, ultimately is doing the loving thing. He ultimately demonstrated the greatest act of love for us by even giving us the option or the potential of putting our faith in Jesus to have eternal life. And God is asking you, and God is asking me, to show that kind of love to each other. And God is asking us to show that kind of love to the world out there. But God's not asking you to do it in your strength. You cannot love each other. You cannot love the world as God wants you to love in your own strength. You know, think about uh, the difficult people in your life, uh, the enemies that you might have. You know, it, it would be nice to say, I don't have to love those people because of, they've done X, Y, and Z. But God says, I want you to love them anyway. And I know that's very difficult to hear. Anybody here ever have an enemy? 
right? I've had enemies throughout my lifetime. I've been disliked. My wife has been uh, ignored or my wife has been hurt. My kids have been picked on. And as the daddy bear, what do I want to do? I want, rah, rah, rah. when people are mean to me, I want the same thing. But God is saying, Josh, look, dude, I have loved you so much more than you could ever have to love these people. Buck up, Josh, and here's what you need to do. You need to love these people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You're, you're supposed to show this agape love, this, this act of love that's not based off of who they are or what they've done, but they have a need that you have to feel, and God's wanting you to do it. You know, and you might say they're my enemy, but guess what you were before you became part of God's family? Anybody want to take a guess? Romans 5.10 says, you were God's enemy. God showed you his enemy, his love, and he's saying you need to show that kind of love to your enemy as well. God is love. And so that makes everything that God does come from love. See how messed up I am in this. It's, it's, it's really tough to do the PowerPoint sometimes. Okay, so those who love, verse 7 and 8, are those who know God. So 1 John verse 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So being born of God, that's not a physical thing. You don't, God doesn't get together with some wife up in heaven and make people offspring, and so then you're a child of God. Uh, in John chapter 3, you find out that Nicodemus, Jesus was talking to him in the middle of the night, and he was really confused on this idea of how do I become a child of God. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Verse 4 says, how can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. You can be born once physically, and, and you're, you guys are, because you're live here walking around today. But you need to be born again spiritually. So how do we do that? 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to spirit, or flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. In order to become a child of God, you need to become a spiritual child of God. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Believing that Jesus is the Messiah, believing that Jesus is the Savior of the world, when you do that, you become part of God's family. You become a spiritual child through spiritual birth. Uh, in Romans 8, 17, it talks about how we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, being a child of God. Uh, Galatians 4, 5 talks about having the full rights of sons that you only have by being a child of God. So those who love are born of God, those who actually show this kind of agape love, not just love in general, but this kind of love that God wants you to give that you can only have by being a child of God. Those who show that kind of love are born of God. Those who show that kind of love show that they know God, uh, that they understand, that they perceive who God is. To know God is to have a relationship with God. It means to be rightly related to Him. While I'm unsaved, 
I'm not a, in a right relationship with God. I'm not a child of God any more than somebody, like I'm not a heather. Right? I'm a McLaughlin. In order to become a heather, I have to be adopted into their family. And that would, that would make me a heather, right? In order to be part of God's family, I need to be adopted into his family. And then I become a child of his. I, then I would be in a right relationship with them, a right relationship with God. And those who have been born of God can do very strange things, very crazy things. You know, they, they're the people who can not babble. When somebody does harm to them, when somebody speaks bad about them or does some kind of crime to them, they can hold it in. They don't go blabbing it around to everybody. That's the kind of thing that agape love can do. I know I mentioned that a few minutes ago, but that's how amazing this kind of love is, that you can hold it in, that you don't have to tell everybody. Agape love is the kind of love that can stop and help somebody when it's inconvenient for me. Agape love is the a, is a kind of love that can give somebody a second chance because God gave me a second chance. And these are kinds of things that the world's not going to understand. They think they do. These are the things that the world's not going to be able to do. Um, and the, the world's going to disagree with you. The Beatles song is going to disagree with you. You know, because what about the people who do foster and they adopt kids? You know, the world's going to say that they uh, are pretty good people. They have big hearts, that they are loving, that they are amazing. I've, I, we've heard some of that. People who give their life in the, in the world's eyes, they're going to look amazing, which they is. You know, people who go and fight for our country or people who protect somebody else from the bullet that's coming, they are amazing people. The people who give their last dollar and the world's eyes are going to look very special. We have, these are our, our modern-day heroes in, um, from the viewpoint of the world. But you can do a lot of great things without showing love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. The first thing, I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. I could get up here and I could wow you with every word of Scripture. I could be on all the TVs, all the radios, and I could be asked to dozens of conferences every year to speak. But if I, I can do it without love. And if I do, I'm just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I think that's how God hears it. I can have the gift of prophecy. It can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And have the faith that can move mountains. That's pretty impressive. I, I can tell... Uh, Medicine rocks, one of those rocks to move from here to my backyard because I really like it. But I can do that without love. And if I do it without love, I am nothing. You can do a lot of great things and not do it in love. If I give all I possess to the poor, I give my very last dollar to somebody, and I give my body to the flames, as the King James puts it, uh, but I don't have love, it counts as nothing. You can do lots and lots of great things without doing love. The world's going to love you. They're going to praise you and think you're wonderful, but it means nothing in the eyes of God. The kind of love that God is asking is a love that's not based off of who you are, about my emotions, how I feel about you, how I'm related to you. It's doing the best good for somebody, no matter who they are or what they've done. So those who show love are the ones who demonstrate they are a child of God. Those who don't show love gets what they're demonstrating. They are not a child of God. Um, let me read verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And there are a lot of people who will claim that they are a Christian. They can open up their scriptures and they can show you chapter and verse. They can show you a little piece of paper that says, I accepted Jesus on this date and I was baptized on this date 
uh, but they don't show that kind of love, that agape love. And God says through, through John, is if you're not showing that kind of love, you are not a child of God. Now I can't, you know, this is kind of a, a, a tougher topic than I really thought it was going to be to try to, to talk about. Because you think about showing love, and love is just one of those things that everybody knows, and it's a, a feel-good message. But the thing is, I can't look and say that, boy, Daisy's showing love, and, and look at Noah. Noah's not showing love. I can't look and judge your motives. I can't look and judge if you're really saved or if you're really not. That's something that God sees. He did not give me eyes for that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.19 says, The Lord knows those who are His. So we can say, I, I accepted Jesus, and we can say we're doing these things in the right kind of love, but I, I can't judge that based off of you, and you can't do that based off of me. But God knows what kind of love that you are showing, and he's asking it to be the kind of love that's self-sacrificing. But you can only show that love if you are a child of God. You have to experience that love from God if you are going to, in turn, share that love from, uh, with other people. So I want to ask you, have you experienced that love from God? Have you become part of God's family, become a child of God? Because if you have, then you can, and you are asked to, almost required to, share that love with other people. You know, the, the Beatles got the message right. Just like this is the last slide I got right. They got the message right. All you need is love. That's all that the world needs. In their mind, they probably practiced it. They wrote this amazing song that's been a hit for, for years that the world sings still on the radio because it was that good. In their mind, they probably did it. And if they had Jesus in their life, then they could demonstrate the kind of love that God is asking them to give, to demonstrate. But if they did not know Jesus, all they did was sing the same song, the second or third or fourth verse on this call to love each other, to, to, to love the world. The love we need most, the love we talked about today, is the love that God showed us, that God wants us to show and to share with the world. Have you, have you um, experienced God's love in your life? It's something that we all need to do. I've already experienced God's love in my life. I trusted Jesus to be my Savior a long time ago. I, 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 the Bible says that I'm a sinner, that I've done wrong things. I lied, I stole, I lusted, I cheated, I... I thought mean thoughts, whatever those things are, the Bible says that I've sinned, and I can admit it, yes, I am a sinner. And the Bible says because I've sinned, I cannot go to heaven. I can't. There's no way to get there. But God demonstrated his love like we looked at today uh, to show you how much he loved you by Jesus dying on a crummy cross so that you can have eternal life. And if you trust Jesus as your Savior, he gives you eternal life. He, you become part of his family. You can then experience that love of God that he wants you to experience, that he wants you to give. And if you have, if you're like me and says, you know what, Josh, I have experienced that love from God a long time ago, then God is asking that you take that love and you demonstrate it to other people. So the next time this week, hopefully it's not this week, but the next time you have the opportunity to show love, I, I want to encourage you to do it. When you have the opportunity to blab something that somebody did to you or some hurtful thing that somebody said about you, Bite your tongue. Uh, the next time you have a chance to stop and help somebody because they are in a position where they obviously need your help, even if it's inconvenient, try stopping to help them. If somebody comes and says, Josh, please forgive me. Give me a second chance. Give them a second chance. But remember, that kind of love is the kind of love that you can't give. 
on your own. So don't even try. Go to God and ask Him to help you show that kind of love to other people. Because remember, Jesus loves you. All the world needs is love. All the world needs is Jesus' love. Uh, we're going to close with uh, a song after I pray. Jesus loves me. So after we pray, please stand and we'll, we'll join in singing that. Dear God, I thank you for this love that you have given to me, that I could have Jesus as my Savior, that I could be part of God's family. And God, if anybody in here does not know you as their Savior, please just burn that in their heart that they are not a part of your family so that they turn to you for salvation. God, I pray for the rest of us who know you as our Savior, that God, as we have opportunity to show your love throughout this week to other people, that you would give us the ability to do it because we can't do it on our own. And I pray for success in showing your love to others. In Jesus' name.